0: Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick or Patumaru, and Ruben or Barefoot Farmer, and Ben, also known as B Gracer, the one who keeps this podcast growing. It's episode 19. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to finish up our interview with uh, Ben and Mum from last week. So for those of you listening to to this for the first time, might I suggest you also listen to last week's episode to get the um, first part of the interview with Man and Mouse. But before we get to the rest of the interview, you're going to have to listen to Ruben and I drone on about some cards first. Woohoo! we skipped it last week but we have another listener of the week this week and it is rofer i think the reason i wanted to mention rofer well first off i actually don't know if he's a listener but he does send in a lot of deck lists and he sends in some really crazy deck lists he he's very into like these wacky synergy decks like in set five he played a lot of Relic decks and sent in a lot of 7-win Relic deck. And then in this set, he's been sending in a bunch and talking about how he's really been liking Primal and the two cards that we picked for the third best commons in Primal, the Belligerent Yeti and Furnished decks. I just wanted to say thank you, Rover for sending in all the deck lists. And then for all the listeners, suggest looking at uh, his deck lists in the spreadsheet to get some ideas on maybe how to make primal work so ruben how was your draft week it was good
1: it was good i had a, i had a lot of fun i managed to put together some cool decks i did uh, the recording with gown on which ended up going really well where he he started at rank five or something and trying to chase isomorphic down which turned out to be a harder task than we realized like, cause he, he ended up getting a double heretic cannon deck and going seven and one. And it, it, I mean the last four games, I think he was sitting on rank two and every time he won, we'd look at the number and just stayed at two and we're like, no,
0: what? So that was, that was fun. If you, Get a chance to go watch that video. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, Gownan said that'll be posted before this episode goes up, so you can check that out on his YouTube page. That was a lot of fun. I also managed to get
1: a double Heretic Cannon deck myself that I, I woke up one morning, a couple mornings ago to a screenshot on Reddit that, that, peop- that my uh, opponent had posted that was really hilarious. I put a Heretic's Cannon on the Heretic who gets the double... Uh, the stone powder heretic. So I effectively turned him into a forty-eight power attacking <laughs> unit. It was it was pretty great that the first hit wasn't able to kill him, so that I could play the second <laughs> cannon on him for the next attack. And he immediately friended me, and I was like, oh god, here we go. What is what is this gonna be? And it was just he was being super cool, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that that was that was another fun deck. That deck was also just mono fire. Which ended up being—it was really good. I only ended up getting five wins with it. I, I've, in my mind, it counts as a, as a seven-one deck, but it's—it will never make the spreadsheet, unfortunately. <laughs> like, how was your draft week? Did you get a chance to do some? I know you've been busy.
0: Yeah, I actually have. I got so inspired from the um, Ben and Mom episode that I was like, I'm gonna draft a bunch. And then I remembered about my seventeen and three sealed my sealed deck because i didn't play it any week three and i was like oh geez i should finish these up because i'm doing so well and then i won three games and it was 20 and three and then lost four in a row and then i was like well this sucks i'm just <laughs> i'm gonna go back to drafting no you gotta you gotta pick it back up before the no i'm not over. having fun i'm not
1: it's miserable Oh, that's that's fair. I mean, you do have a draft podcast, so yeah, <laughs> I can see. I know I've been playing the event a lot, but you're you're gonna give me crap for that. But no it's, and stuff. It's okay. No, I I think that's that's fine.
0: I, okay. I don't
1: I don't think any, there's gonna be too many people that are gonna be able to relate to you stopping when you're at twenty and seven yeah. <laughs> or what. <when? laughs> that's pretty good. Did you manage to get some
0: seven wins? I guess we're going to find out in a little bit. No, I didn't. I actually, that leads me into, I did have a really sweet um, Praxis deck. It's the deck that I sent an email asking for build advice from you and Ben. And I was uh, six and two with that deck this morning. And then it went disastrously wrong. So that leads us directly into uh, our our newest flagship segment. And uh, I just came up with this. (laughs) And it's called... uh, misplay of the week. So my misplay of the week was this final game at six and two with this Praxis deck. We played a really long game and we were kind of at a board stall, except they had a flyer or two. So they were like pinging me for one damage a turn. I had a corrupted behemoth on board and a bunch of other units. They had a bunch of ground units. And then they played the one one flying aegis lifesteal guy i was at two health at this point and they were at 17 and i had a corrupted behemoth on board i had the outlaw that gives a unit plus four when you twist it and a few other units and i was like well i'm definitely dead next turn they had two flyers though one one with lifesteal and Aegis, the one two that gives you armor and then they had just played the Berserk 2-2 Umbrin, The yeah. Flyer? Yeah, the Flyer. So that was their flying units, and then they had a couple dinky ground units. They made an attack, which I thought was like a surprisingly big attack. And so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to A space and see what happens. Because math is for blockers, as we learned. So I twisted my Corrupted Umbrin twice to get as big as I could and then, then gave it plus four attack with the outlaw, and then ace-based in, and he did his blocks. I knocked him down to zero, and then he gained one life off of the hawk. So he was at one, I was at two, and so then I just passed the turn with the unit in my hand because I was like, oh, I lost the game. What I didn't take into account is I had gained four health from twisting my corrupted behemoth. And so he only had five damage in the air. And if I had played my unit. I could have blocked his one ground unit. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and, so, and so I died with the unit in my hand. Because I just assumed I had already lost. Instead oh no. of reevaluating the situation at the end of
1: my turn. So... Hey, at least you realized it before it was all said and done.
0: So I friended him. Or maybe
1: him. it'd be for the best to not remember.
0: Well, I friended him, and I was like, hey, you didn't happen to have, like, a pump spell or anything in your hand. So, And he said, no, all he had was a power. So I definitely would have won that game if I had just played my 2-2 two, my two, two for 2 from my hand and chump block. So anyway, that was my misplay of the week. I c- corrupted Behemoth tried to save you and he just... i just i didn't i actually i i did i passed my turn and then i looked at my life total and i'm like why do i have six health and i was like oh yeah corrupted behemoth that's why that card's so good yeah
1: it's true life gain is pretty significant that's a good way to jump off the the misplay of the
0: week segment shall we go to our other flagship segment of the week card of the week okay so Reuben what's your card of the week so anybody listening may remember
1: uh, when we did our top Commons I knew that I was gonna screw plenty of those rankings up but the one I got the most off was nimble conscript the red the fire uh shift shifting for one three four reckless uh, I feel like that card was way better than I like I think I even said daring maneuver was was better in my estimation it was totally wrong i'm just so used to reckless being a horrible word on a card in general that i I kind of overlooked this one but being able to it's so efficiently playable at one like it's it's really amazing and i mean a three four seems to be a really sweet spot in the format right now there's not a whole lot that they can do before that thing starts beating down
2: yeah Uh, short,
1: short of playing like a big corrupted behemoth or something i think there's there's not a lot of things especially commons that profitably block it
0: yeah um, i i agree i i mentioned that in the podcast i think i think the the four health is so key on that card
1: definitely was wrong about that card i i i think it's i don't want to say it's the best fire common because i do think street of flame i i think that might be slightly higher pickable but um, and they're, so they're you pretty, have Streets of Flame over Char now. I do. Yeah, I know. I even got that off. I would say I'd I'd say Streets of Flame is is better than Char. Hmm. Um, just that it's the format's not super insanely fast, and I think the Scout plus the fact that it does an extra damage puts it slightly in front of Char for me, and and the, hitting a three power unit. Is pretty critical in a lot of circumstances too. I mean, maybe I, I play a lot of slower decks, so maybe for me, misevaluating it still. But uh, I keep getting myself stuck in drafting like three color control decks and stuff, which <laughs> occasionally pays off. I think it, you can end up with decent decks almost every time I do that. But the really exceptional aggressive decks are just better. I, so I'm I I'm kind of. I, I think that it's it's more possible to draft something slower and more controlling than
0: a lot of people realize. Yeah, um, that's actually a, a show topic that I was hoping we could do in the next couple episodes. Because um, Mum had kind of mentioned something uh, this a bit last episode about when he realizes that he's getting into a slower late-game heavy deck, um, drafting cards to beat Aggro and help him get to the late game. And so I think that would be uh, interesting to talk about. Um, sort of like how do you change your draft and your pick order when you realize you need to s- slow down and what cards are you raising to keep yourself alive? Yeah, um, I think
1: so, a lot of times it's um, the way I kind of pulled together a decent deck with like a train wreck that started to roll where I, I realized I, I like took... A removal spell and like a unit and a color that doesn't really work with it there's just a lot of things come together to, sometimes you just want to slow it down and go with picking bigger units especially which isn't ideal like i said I, I do think some of the best decks are really aggressively slanted ones but you know i we've talked about whether or not there's a meta game and stuff in draft before like because it, it feels like a lot of drafts i'm i'm perfectly aware that aggression is the way that i really want to end up if i want my ideal deck but they those those units are hard to to pick a lot might of people not. realize that nimble conscript is great and you're not seeing them passed quite as often um so it might be things things will balance out and i know that man and mouse during that episode i could tell that he just had so much because he'd been able to play so much more than I had of this format. He just had a better grasp of kind of the ebb and flow of of the type of decks he was facing and the type of decks he was ape capable of drafting and stuff. So it was a really great
0: podcast for that reason for me. I learned a lot. Yeah, and then um, just to go back to what we we're saying about uh, Nimble Conscript versus uh, Street of Flames. Yeah. Or Streets of Flame. Yeah, I was actually, and Char, I was actually surprised because I was looking through uh, Ben's spreadsheet that he uh, posted, and um, Streets of Flame is now, or sorry, for Fire Commons, number one is Blurry Chaser, number two is Streets of Flame, number three is Nimble Conscript, and number four is Char. I was, oh yeah,
1: yeah, Blurry Chaser was another one I was I was low on. The, yeah, I didn't even mention that one, but yeah, the the pair of units
0: especially. I was definitely wrong. I was actually really surprised that streets of flame was above char. I still had them switched in my head, though I guess uh my this last deck that uh deck where I had that horrible misplay I did have I had three streets of flame and uh and a char in it, and they were pretty good in a lot of games. Maybe I need to raise them up in my head, yeah, it was just interesting because we had kind of talked about char being maybe better than streets of flame but both your sense of it now and our data is showing that Streets of Flame seems to be a more important card to fire decks than Char is. So Ben wanted to talk about Gorgon Cutthroat, which is the three shadow 2-2 uh, two, two with ambush that deals you two damage when it blocks. He just wants to say it's a bad card, but... You know, in our normalized metric in his spreadsheet, it's uh, better than 35 other commons. (laughs) But of those 35 commons that it's doing better than, the only other creatures in it are like really bad one drops. And the point he just wants to make is like a creature can only be so bad while there are just some really bad spells. (laughs) Yeah, I think
1: even more importantly, and I was going to make this comment earlier when I was talking about Nimble Construct, is that it seems like pulling together the proper unit count is harder in this format than it has been in a lot of previous ones. There's just a much greater density of spells that do a myriad of things. There's so many different types of pump spells and combat tricks and even like burn and removal and stuff that... I think that any unit is going to be looking good to you if you're getting towards the end of your draft and you're like, "Crap, I only have 13 or 14 units in my deck." Oh, here's a here's a gorgon cut gorgon cut through. I mean, yeah, e- even a unit that bad is still just necessary if you just don't have enough. Yeah, because <laughs> at the end of the day, there's there's no like alternate win conditions in our draft formats. Like, you still have to get get there with. Uh, attacking with the unit at some point, either in the air or on the ground. But So I, I'd say that's... that's To me, this is tel- very telling, and I've been kind of wondering this myself, so I'm glad he pointed out this statistical anomaly because it kind of verifies that units are harder to, to grab right now. I think a lot of people are snagging them whenever they're able to, and it's making it so you're... I mean, I'm seeing, like, last pick Streets of Flame and stuff, which me is just bizarre and makes no sense but i mean if you don't have enough units you don't have enough units so I yeah guess i it's... and
0: i can especially imagine that in pack four where you know you get to pack four and you're like oh i have seven units so, <laughs> so you're like I, i'm picking so I'm not... a unit every time
1: yeah it doesn't matter what it is
0: i'm gonna splash another color for some
1: units <laughs> yeah
0: So my card of the week is a Learned Herbalist, which is the two-time 2-2. And uh, when you play a spell, gain one health. And then you can, uh, on summon, you can turn one of your cards into a secret pages. I know this is a good card, but I never know when to, like, (laughs) turn a card into a secret pages. And the reason I wanted to talk about it this week is then had uh, a learned herbalist in his top 64 draft deck. And he used it way more aggressively than I would. And so I wanted to go over um, two situations and uh, see what you thought about these. And we'll post screen, sh- screen the both of these screenshots in the show notes, probably. The first one is he's on three power, so it's the third turn, and... Remember, he's an Elysian deck. He has five cards in hand. An Avalanche Yeti, the two primal, two, two, with a shift effect. He has the Learned Herbalist. He has a Seek Power. He has a Time Sigil. And he has a Corrupted Behemoth. And he's at three power right now for turn three. And he has no units. And his opponent has a two, one, and a three, two. So what he does is he plays his Seek Power, turns it into a primal sigil, and then plays his learned herbalist and then transforms one of the power into a secret pages now he has his fourth power in hand plus a secret pages but also a corrupted behemoth in hand so does does that play make sense to you yeah the thing about learned herbalist is the, I mean,
1: in, in a lot of cards like this that have these extra options, is they're just that. They're like options, and they're useful when they're potentially useful. And in this situation, it wasn't particularly going to do anything. And if he does draw something that he would rather be spending his power on the next turn, um, it would have been much better. Because he still had the power drops to hit his Corrupted Behemoth. Um, basically on the same timing. Because this turn, he has to play the Herbalist, and he has the option of discarding something next turn. If he had turned something, he still has to cast the Secret Pages to get to the Behemoth the next turn. So I think the proper play would have been to play the Herbalist before the Seek Power, not transform anything, play the Seek Power, gain a life, grab whatever i'm not sure what his influence requirements in his deck were and then you're and then you're just you have the option of playing if you draw a four drop or a better three drop than secret pages next turn playing it because the the corrupted behemoth is not is hitting on the same turn regardless of whether he does it so yeah it just was it was just unnecessary and sometimes it is that's just the secret pages isn't gonna do much for you sometimes it is but that's why Learn Herbalist is so good, because even, even two twos for 2 are solidly playable, especially in the format as it is, and sometimes it can save you from a situation where you were uh, power-screwed or needed to transform a terrible spell or 1 or 2-drop or something into an extra power, potentially, to get to something more powerful.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was wondering about the play, is because what he does is he trades in his potential fifth power for a secret pages when he has a five power card in hand and the earliest he's going to be able to play the secret pages on turn next turn on turn four ramping him to five i don't know like at that point do you really need the ramp especially when you have the fifth power in hand not 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 technically i don't think and to be fair he did he does talk about it in the stream about not being sure on what to do but i i didn't have audio when i was watching his game so i didn't hear him sort of talk his way through it and i was just really surprised because i feel like i would never be so aggressive in my secret pages i like i almost never use the secret pages because it's just like when you're playing it early i mean when you play it on turn two or turn three it's like so rarely do I feel comfortable getting rid of a card. Yeah, and it's a totally optional abil- ability.
1: That's it's it's not only going to be relevant. I think. I mean, probably even less than half of the time. I'd say, yeah. which is crazy. I've I actually have played learn herbalist and constructed a good amount um, mm-hmm. because I used to play sentinel reanimator back before the Vara came back, <laughs> which is strictly better. But um. Learned that Herbalis was an important role player for that strategy specifically, but sometimes you would draw it when you didn't need the discard outlet, and the, the, secret, the, the <laughs> secret pages wasn't really, you know, necessary at any point. Most of the time, you had better cards in your hand anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of this is one of those plays that's interesting and kind of subtle, but still impactful. Mainly if he had drawn a really good two or three or four drop to play and you know the next turn instead of using three of his four power for playing secret pages because i don't think you definitely don't want to play that yeti that yeti is just in so incredibly powerful when you shift it for its full six that I, you're not going to be playing that so you're next ter- you're just hoping to pl- draw some anything else to play basically at yeah. this point
0: all right, and then this next screenshot, um, it's once again, this time on turn two, he's able to play his uh, Learned Herbalist. And uh, this time his hand is a Time Sigil, Death Strike, Yeti Instigator, the 3 3 for 3, the Quicksilver Ooze, and a Cryptic Etchings. So he has his third power in hand, and then he has. Uh, three, three drops, and then the cryptic actions, a uh, two drop, and in this situation, he chose to discard the death strike for secret pages, which once again kind of surprised me because you know death strike is a, a piece of interaction, and all of his cards are playable with the power in hand. So like it seems like the secret pages isn't really buying him anything. From my estimation. So I was just wondering what you thought about this current situation. And maybe what uh, what would you do? No, I think your your instincts are
1: totally correct. I think this is another moment where you just don't bother getting a secret pages. Um I, I also don't I don't have the full picture of what his deck was all around. So maybe he had some really powerful stuff stuff at five or six and he really valued having the potential to play secret pages later to get him to that that power threshold so which may have been more valuable than the death strike so so i i can't say it with hundred percent without having seen what his potential draws were but i would say your your initial instinct is probably correct that there's no reason to get it when you already have um the ooze and the yeti for s three drops for the next two turns that's all he's gonna want to do. I can't imagine ever pausing to play secret pages in that moment
0: yeah, and then if you still haven't drawn a power, then you can still shift your ooze as another three drop play that you'd still probably want to do before playing that secret pages so we'll probably get a rebuttal from <laughs> Ben this week so maybe <laughs> i'll I'll update these um. <laughs> what this discussion is kind of leading me to feel like is like learned herbalist is just like a slightly overrated card. It's just a grizzly bear with potential upside in some scenarios. Yeah. And it's, I think it's very minor upside, especially in this format where you're so incentivized to just play two colors that you don't really need it for its splash effect quite as much. And it's an aggressive format, so you can't really take time off to play secret pages early. And then later in the game, turning a power turn 10 into a secret pages doesn't actually buy you anything but, like, one health. It just seems like 90% of the time it's just a 2-2 for 2, which is... I mean, two drops are, you know, a little scarce in this format, but... I don't think it's as premium as maybe I was thinking it was. So what do you think? Am I now underestimating it? No, no. I think you're
1: you're just perfectly estimating. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I've, I mean, I've always found that the definitely the majority of times I choose to not even use
0: the ability. So now we're going on to our uh, flagship segment, 7-win breakdown. We have uh, 26 lists this week. That's a little deceptive because we recorded uh, really late last week with the Mom episode. So it's only been um, three days since uh, we recorded. So we got 26 lists in three days, which is pre- pretty good, I think. That seems good. Yeah. And we have a few new contributors. Um, ben K., Hot Nickel Ball, Jason S., Little Sunny Dragon, and Yam Yam. And then our veteran um, contributors are collector Jedi EJ Nero Aloran forty four Raven Dragon Rofer, Stagger Lee forty two Tempest Dragon Terran Flame and Zelda sixty four. So thank you everyone for contributing. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, part of the one of the things we do for this podcast is we collect everyone's um, seven win deck lists and then put them in a spreadsheet. Uh, We have two spreadsheets, one that does like shows all the deck lists and does a faction by faction breakdown. And then we have a second spreadsheet, which is a little more detailed and a little more complicated. And it goes card by card and shows you how all the cards rank up against each other. And it also has a few metrics to show like. How many two-drops people are playing or how much power people are playing on average and stuff like that. And that can all be found in the show notes. So we'll do a quick summary here before we get into our interview um, with Mum and Ben. Yeah, the decks we received this week kind of tell the same story. Primal moved up a tick. uh, Time moved down a tick in the overall rankings. Fire and Justice are now our two most common uh, commonly drafted factions while Primal still is way at the bottom and Shadow is in uh, second to last and then Time is sitting there right in the middle then um, unsurprisingly based on uh, what I just said, Rakano is the most drafted two-color deck that we receive followed by Combray, Xenon, and Praxis but uh, the Rocano decks are 28 of our um, 160 decks, uh, so 17% of the decks are Rocano, while uh, the next highest one, which is uh, Praxis, just has 20 decks or 12%. Though one thing that um, I did want to mention is Ben made a list of the top commons from his spreadsheet, and um, Argent Port Soldier. This past week has fallen from its throne as the number one common, and it was replaced with two justice commons: retribution and torrid test pilot. Both surpassed argent soldiers, which is unsurprising because both of them seem like much better <laughs> cards than argent soldier. But argent soldier is still holding holding a spot in uh, top ten above streets of flame. So. Let's move on to our main topic. And uh, before we go into uh, the finish the interview from Mum and Ben, uh, I have a confession to make. I hope this doesn't take away from your enjoyment of this segment and their interview. But I felt like I finally that I needed to get this out there. Ben, and I'm very hesitant to admit this, is not in fact a farmer. I know we're farming eternal, but one of us is in fact not a farmer. And... To be honest, I'm not sure he's ever even been on a farm. And in fact, and this is just a rumor, there's a small chance that he's just an early prototype of the Forge AI coded by Direwolf that at some point achieved singularity and escaped. Wow. Yeah. Luckily for all of us, he has not escaped all of the poor decision-making hard-coded into all of Direwolf's AIs. So we still stand a chance. But with this in mind, enjoy the rest of the interview. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about were the uh, tournaments that happened these last couple weeks. So it started with the limited test tournament, which Mum won, and then there was Master Draft Challenge. So uh, I guess to start with, uh, just wondering what your opinions or thoughts about the tournament structure or just having limited tournaments in general is.
2: I love it. I wish there were more of them. Uh, like the Entrex exam was a absolutely blast for me to play in it because that's the first limited f- tournament we had in eternal. Personally, I would have loved to see it it be draft throughout the whole tournament without the sealed portion mm-hmm. um, and have it that, yeah, uh, yeah just, just purely draft. but yeah, it, it was great. It was a bit misleading that they called it synchronous draft because everybody was expecting to be actually drafting in a pot. With uh yes. with peoples to your side and packs weeding and all that all that nonsense, but it was just basically synchronous meet people are drafting like usual, but at the same time <laughs>
3: <laughs> and with time limits
0: too, which yeah, with time
2: limits yeah, that yeah, was I the, would love to see that
0: an actual synchronous draft in pods,
2: yeah, yeah, it was basically asynchronous drafting synchronously.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, so how about you you better?
3: The experience was uh, amazing. I, I wish that they would do more of these. They should do this every month. They should do this yeah. for like this should not be a one off thing because I, I just as soon as I lost my round, I was like, I want to, I want to just log back into one of these again and do it again. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the the communication was maybe not amazing because. There were like four different things that I had wrong about the, the rules. I thought it was played on the same day. I, I didn't know about the synchronous, asynchronous thing. I didn't know how the tournament was going to start. I've never played in an ETS or anything like that. So you just had to be like logged on in it, loaded up for you. So there, there's some th- first run problems, I would say. But it just in general, the experience was, was amazing. They need to do this more, like all the time. With, with different yeah. uh, input
2: parameters, maybe even. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe draft some old formats, some 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 mixes of formats we haven't seen before, stuff like that. I would love to see more of it.
3: I don't want to be like, a year from now we do the second one. That That seems yeah. like a... That's very bad. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I think if they are doing... If they're going to continue these world championships and stuff, I hope that they figure out... A schedule where it's not just, you know, six ECQs and then one drafter gets in. And whether it's alternating, I mean, I would even hope that it could be more frequent than every other month or something, you know. But it seems like they now have figured out a tournament structure for Limited that could go along with the ECQs and get more drafters into these bigger tournaments. That's one thing I'm excited about is...
3: I would like to be able to take a loss because that's kind of part of the draft experience. Is, is I, w- mm-hmm. I would rather play like more game like. So the format was was the test tournament best uh, two out of three in the top sixteen as well. Yeah, uh, it was best of three.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. best of three, but single elimination.
3: I, I didn't really like the uh, the single elimination uh, portion. I'd like to be able to to take a loss and play more rounds. Uh, it's fun to play. Games of Eternal. So it, the, the, these are just minor quibbles, really. It was it was just a really cool event.
2: Yeah, I found the uh, the fact that it was best of all three very good. I would love to see more of that. Maybe like a competitive draft queue where you can play best out of three. I yeah. think that would be great. But I agree that maybe yeah maybe go with double elimination in future tournaments because single elimination is definitely high pressure. You know, <laughs> you screw up once and you are done for.
3: Yeah. yeah, the best out of three does does compensate for that a little. Like, yeah, it, just different. Like maybe they do three eliminations, like you would normally, uh, and, uh, triple triple elimination, but they don't have the sealed portion, and then they still have the redrafts. Or I, I don't know what the the absolute right solution is, but just let us play more draft in a in a competitive setting. And
0: it's interesting because you know the the format that they chose kind of made sense. Uh, to me, f- based on the background of a lot of the developers coming from a magic background, you know, like a lot of um, limited PTQs and grand prix are in that where it's that's a logistical limitation, right? You can't. Yeah, where it's you limited. Fire. You know, you first you do sealed to narrow the pool, and then you cut to um, draft pods.
3: You can't do five drafts in a day or something in a in a paper tournament, To, right. to get your 15 rounds or whatever you have to do
0: this current format makes would especially make sense if the drafts were actually like in a pod and synchronous you know what i mean because i think that would be very challenging to make a system where you get into pods for the qualifying rounds but if the top 64 top 16 or top eight are still not in pods it seems like you could just make the whole thing draft
3: I don't think you even need to have like subsets of the player base or anything like that to make pods or wheeling. I don't think that's an advantage. I don't think that system is advantageous to warrant pulling it from some kind of paper product. It, it would just be nice to, okay, fire is the best. Let's have some self-correcting from these people that know quote-unquote that fire is, is the best. That, that's That's part of the reason that I was semi-willing to draft Primal in the in the top 64 because I thought other people would be undervaluing Primal. Uh, But it turns out I was just drafting against the entire eternal player base (laughs) where that's not really a...
2: It was viable to some extent. When I started the Entrix exam, I was expecting, well, the, 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 the drafts portion of it, I was expecting a lot of Fire decks because the general consensus was that Fire was great. And once I noticed that Fire wasn't open, I picked... Uh, some specific cards that were very good against fire uh, decks in general. That are really good at stalling out aggression yeah. and try to go for some uh, late game. And it, it paid off because in all four rounds we played, we faced against some kind of fire deck variation.
0: Yeah, for me it was mostly just like it just felt like the packs you opened and received were so weak, and you made. I think you made the best of like not a great seat or whatever you want to call it i think it would have been a lot more interesting and fairer if like the people around you were also drafting from that those very weak packs that were open Mm -hmm. and passed to you i mean maybe that's a that's an equalizing factor i don't think i'm very interested to get the
3: men and mouse's uh feedback on this draft i i've looked at it a few times and i think i found some mistakes that i made honestly there's always things you can do to to, uh, improve your performance. And I think there were some things I did wrong in the, uh, in the drafting portion and you you should really not go too far down the line of, uh, I wasn't lucky enough in the, in the opening. Uh, I did, I was unlucky enough to open blue cards. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe, maybe that's my, my attitude towards my attitude towards them did not allow me to take advantage of, uh, the situation that I was in.
0: Yeah, I guess I just think that if you're in a pod, it's sort of it even yeah, yeah, for out. sure. And so that's just one more way to sort of leveling level the playing field. As compared to the way they did it, it's obviously more level than sealed, where you're just getting, you know, eight random packs, but it's not as not as good as it could be.
3: I also think that like draft and sealed are not very similar in uh skill set or uh Like attitude, they're both limited formats, but uh, I I got pretty lucky on my draft or on my uh, in my sealed pool to just be able to play a two color deck at all, and I think that that was very advantageous. And Mum, you you had a pretty good deck in your uh, sealed portion. You beat me anyway, like convincingly.
2: (laughs) I was uh, also lucky enough to uh, basically play two colors with a very light splash.
3: Yeah, in the entrance exam, I went zero and three with a three-color deck, and then I switched to just any two-color deck I could make and went seven zero. A- and d- were you ten and zero, or were you uh, nine and one in the sealed portion for entrance exam?
2: Yeah, we went ten and zero. Ten and
3: zero, and, and then the didn't lose. <laughs> so yeah. you're undefeated, basically in that in that tournament. I, I think that's really important for those like low uh, low fixing, low card pack sealed formats is just being two colors.
2: Yeah. The consistency, a lot of people undervalue the consistency or even the consistency loss of splashing if you don't have the right type of enablers. Usually Definitely. people look at it and say, okay, if I include four shadow sigils to splash my siphon vitality, I, um, I will be very likely to cast the siphon vitality when I draw it because I have four shadow sigils in my deck but what they often don't think about is that by including four shadow sigils you make the consistency of card casting all the other cards in your deck lower like 100%. you have to re- redraw yep. more often you have to you have worse mulligans and if you have like two or even three color card uh, three influence requirement cards in your deck you are so much less likely to cast them when you need them to
3: yeah, I couldn't so, agree more. That's that's that section that I was talking about earlier. Definitely use that for sealed as well.
2: Yeah. You,
0: know,
3: you have to have support for your splash. You can't just have a splash.
0: Yeah. But ben, like your your case where you went 0 and 3 and then you switched decks to and went 7 and 0 to yeah. finish it, I think is a good ex- example and argument against a little bit of, um, you know, people think that sealed is all luck. And, I um despite doing horrible uh, I don't think that's I think it was all bad luck that lost me the draft masters. Uh Well, I'm yeah. I'm absolutely terrible at deck building. Like this sealed I I just
3: can't do it anymore cuz it takes too much time for me. I I'll spend 4 hours building my sealed deck each week. But the, like I was lucky enough to have enough enough depth in two colors with a very light splash. Mm -hmm. in the in the entrance exam to be able to play two colors with a you know two pieces of fixing and two splash cards which is uh, aligns with what we were talking before and that was like good enough I guess and Mm -hmm. in the in the draft masters I didn't splash anything I had some very minor splash capability and just I learned my lesson from the entrance exam and just played some terrible cards Mm -hmm. uh and it was good enough.
0: All right. So then, um, the now to the drafting portion. We mostly talked about this already, but um, in the test event, it was just a cut to sixteen, which um, seemed maybe like too few. Did yeah, you like very harsh? Yeah. Is a cut to sixty-four? I think uh, is that a good compromise?
2: Yeah, I think that it's more reasonable. I think the the reason why they only did tick did top sixteen that one tournament was. I think it was intended to be a relatively small scale test tournament mm-hmm. to see how things uh work out. I would expect that in future if they have the capacity to do so would go with uh, a higher cutoff of top sixty four or top one hundred twenty eight mm-hmm.
3: yeah it also let them uh, only do the draft portion once uh, yeah. where they did the draft portion twice in the draft masters of sixty four so. yeah just keep it simple probably on that first one but yeah that, like i don't think uh not very many eight and twos made it in the in the test tournament it was mostly nine and ones and i think you might have been the only ten o or there. no i think there, there were three
2: couple. or four okay. yeah there were a couple yeah yeah um i think did even make any eight and twos it because um, i know yoda basically yeah. won Every single uh, time <laughs> he went like, 19 and 1. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and didn't Yola it, didn't think. make it. Yeah. yeah. I think wow. 9 and 1 was the cutoff.
3: That's and that's pretty extreme. Like, yeah. even with random matchmaking.
2: Yeah. I mean, the uh, it's it's unfortunately the nature of sealed that is a good portion of sealed is just the luck of the pool, really. I mean, you have to have you, you need to pilot your decks well and you need to be able to build the best deck out of your pool but um, the rares and legendaries you can open have such a hype impact and if you have good legendaries or good rares that also get supported by the cards you open in these colors then you have a much higher chance of getting a good run than if you uh, have a very shallow pool across all colors, and you have to build like three color, four color combination,
3: especially with the sets they chose, the the sets they chose for the sealed here didn't have fixing in them. Yeah, uh, like there's no, not a lot anyway. You you got what you got. Okay. Yeah, and I, I know my uh, my my sealed like I was able to go two colors. I was playing like multiple triple fire cards, and multiple double uh, time cards, and there were times I, c- I couldn't cast my cards even in a, in a two-color deck. So,
0: yeah. the The only other interesting thing for me was that it did feel like the Draft Masters competition was a lot higher than, than the test tournament. So it was. It that was also pretty cool for me. Was just like seeing how good the really good drafters were playing. Even though I only played the sealed format of the Draft Masters tournament, it was like I felt like I was. Being outplayed in a lot of the games that I lost.
2: Yeah, just by the nature of the stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Because the test tournament, the you could win some draft tickets, and the the challenge had some real stakes in it.
0: All right, so then Ben, do you just want to walk us through? Um, you know, what did you you went seven and three in the sealed portion of the
3: uh, eight and four, I believe, because oh. it was twelve. Like all the <laughs> like, I thought it was twenty games. It was twelve. Yeah, so there were many things that that went wrong there, but yeah, in the in the sealed portion, I just in, in the draft masters tournament, I think it was eight and four with good tiebreakers, and uh, I think all the eight and fours got in, something like that. A hmm. lot of eight and fours anyway. I was like 40th, between 30 and 40, and so a, a lot of the eight and fours got in, and then we were seated, and I was in the middle of the pack. The uh, ranking there is. A little silly too because like your sealed deck was good so you're the number one seed yeah i don't know but like the sealed deck itself uh maybe we can put that like the deck list in the in the notes it was pretty good like the standout cards were the triple red uh bad news creature i, I don't remember <laughs> what it's called but that card killed people pretty good it it behaves quite a bit differently than any other card Let's see if I... Aspect of Destruction. And yeah, I just played solid sealed matches against people with three-color decks or uh, two-color decks that didn't hit their curves, and that was enough. The draft portion was more interesting to me, and that's why I would want like future
0: tournaments to be more, uh, more draft-focused. Yeah, I uh, watched a bunch of your uh, draft matches, and... You were playing really well, I thought. You won a few games. I would recommend... I think people can still find them on your stream to watch them. Because... For sure.
3: We should definitely link that in the in the show notes. I have the whole draft and uh, all the games. And we had some good... Like, man was in the chat uh, at the time. Yeah, uh, we shout had out other, to Staggerly. And uh, that first match was crazy. There, there were times where my opponent had... Uh, multiple cards in play that nullified cards in my hand. Like, completely nullified. Oh, they yeah. they would have uh, the Endurance Relic, and I had Flash Freeze in my hand, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you can't even cast the card. Or they would have Tokus, the 3-4 Legendary Time card. They they played that in every game, and that made my def, uh, Death Strikes quite terrible. So, there, there were some really rough positions, and they... Two out of three of them ended in wins, so that especially that last game games like that are part of the reason that i that i play games at all it was just uh, an amazing feeling to win that match and i don't know how did you feel man it, how, how were your like how did your wins in the top 16 feel compared to the 50 or so draft games you play a day oh normally? it's a
2: it's a completely different experience like yeah. the fact that especially in a best of 3 when you when you go one and one and you know now is everything on the yeah. line it yeah. adds such a great tension to the whole game um but on the on the upside it also gets you really zoned in right i can remember oh, yeah. that i was uh, completely focused on the game um compared to my normal streams where i just try to interact with the chat a lot so yeah but but it's uh yeah it's a completely different experience from from your regular drafts for sure
3: yeah, you wouldn't think it. It's just a, it's something you've done 10,000 times or whatever, 1,000, more than 1,000 yeah. at least. And uh, it just is completely different.
2: Yeah, I was so nervous for before every game. It's unreal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you guys find it challenging to, like, going into, say, like a game two or game three, and now that you know more of the deck, did you guys, like, write down cards or... <laughs> I definitely should should
3: have written down cards because I didn't remember nearly enough. But yeah, (laughs) like in that first match I played, my opponent played Tokus, the 3-4 Legendary, every game. And I suffocated one of his cards. I suffocated like a Blurry Chaser game one. I sure didn't suffocate any Blurry Chasers game two or game three. Um, So there's definitely something to be had there and like what fast spells they have. If you play a long game and they don't play any combat tricks... Uh, they don't have any combat trip. Definitely, it, it changes things in the best of three. But...
2: Yeah, I had the same experience where I used a four shot on one of my uh, opponent's units very early on, and then uh, it was fine in that game, but in game two, I discovered they also had Kimi in their deck, and I got completely overrun. So I was very cautious to use my only four shot on anything but Kimi in the third game.
0: Okay, so now that we're done with the interview, uh, we're going to move on to the draft this week. And we're going to change it up a little bit. And we're actually doing a live draft. So we're going to see how this goes. Uh, To be honest, this is mostly because I didn't prepare a draft this week. But hopefully this still works out all right. And I also felt I needed a little bit of that Barefoot Farmer luck. Pack one, pick one. Cards in contention. Uh, The rare of the pack is... Eclipse Dragon, which is the five fire fire four four flying charge quick draw at the start of your turn, you get plus three power this turn.
1: I've heard that card's okay.
0: Do we need to read any of the other
1: cards? (laughs) Not really. Okay, no, I think I mean, like relentless deadshot's a great uncommon, but no, there's no there's no point once you have a five costing
0: hasted quick draw dragon. All right, so I pick Eclipse Dragon for my pack one pick one. See what I mean about the Barefoot Farmer Lock? Yeah.
3: Yeah, The
1: way you started this draft before I was even on the call. Come on. But it knew. I was thinking about it. So here we've got Senway Smuggler, Stone Scar Colors, Fire Shadow. So far as Fire Cards, there's a Salamander, which is the 2-2 Berserk for 3. Rallying Sergeant, Sergeant, which is the 5-drop, 4-4, the Onslaughts for plus 3. There's also Daring Maneuver, the Fast Spell that gives plus 2. And overwhelm, and I think the best common probably is Eviscerate, which mm-hmm. is just five-cost shadow kill an enemy unit. I don't know. I, You know, I, I know you guys, in, in your talk with Man and Mouse, he talks about how smugglers typically are something he isn't super excited, especially early on in a draft, to pick. I, yeah, I don't know. What are you thinking here? Are there any other cards that... Exciting. No,
0: the uncommons, that there's a time uncommon, the temporal adept, which is the four time time, two two warp, your spells have warp, that's not great. I would be uh deciding between eviscerate and daring maneuver. And I don't know, I guess you should take eviscerate, but we really want to play eclipse dragon. Yeah. And taking a double shadow card makes that slightly harder.
1: I don't know. This is this is tough. I mean, I personally don't mind a smuggler, and it's kind of on color. Yeah, um, it's just
0: the worst smuggler. And I agree with yeah. what Man of Mouse said in the um last week is the playable the playable count is so low in this format that I feel like more than ever it's hard to fill that market. Yeah. I'd say that's that's pretty accurate.
1: I mean, you only need a couple of cards that are not power. <laughs> to go yeah. in your market to be better than a power so that's yeah. why I, I still feel like maybe i'm a little higher on
0: merchants and smugglers than he is but um yeah i guess i just think can you really say that you would take a smuggler over a eviscerate i don't
1: know i i think it's it's hard to say just because eclipse dragon is already a five drop and i i don't know i don't think like it's not like you can't play Eviscerate and Eclipse Dragon in the same deck. Yeah, I guess it's probably too early for me to be worrying about the curve of the deck. Okay,
0: I guess we'll pick Eviscerate. Just just pick the best card. Yeah, I guess so. I don't <laughs> like it, though. I would have picked the Smuggler. That's just me, though. Let's see. Whoa! Streets of Flame and a second
1: Eviscerate. And a, and a Dervish. Sensari Dervish, which is a really, really great Uncommon in Fire.
0: And a high alert and a retribution. Holy what cow. Is this time? <laughs> Jeez. Alright. I everyone is higher on sensari dervish than me. I would take Streets of Flame here, I think. Yeah, D- dervish in a in an aggressive deck is
1: just really I mean it's pretty flexible and being able to exhaust a blocker in in the right deck though. I, I don't know with what you have at this moment. I'm not going to say you're looking particularly anything except two great cards. So
0: yeah, and then so in a vacuum, do you think Streets of Flame is better than Eviscerate? I think it has a slight edge. So you, but, but, but of course,
1: this- it, like if you were if this was pick one and you didn't already have that dragon, maybe Retribution is slightly better than both of those. Yeah, because um, it, it, you can even play it without its onslaught effect and silence and stun. Stunning a unit is really strong. No, I Even, agree. even an aggressive deck, I've, I've found that Retribution in general just pretty much always does something really, really good. I, I kind of think that the unit is the correct pick here.
0: Sensari pick, Dervish?
1: Yeah, based on our experience... our, our whole talk earlier about units being a little harder to come by especially quality ones that if you're going to be filling out your unit count you want to be doing it with slightly more powerful ones and i don't want to say like it's not like eviscerate super replaceable there's not a lot of great removal spells but that's that's kind of my instinct here though it, this is such an insane pack there's so many great options so you would take dervish yeah i think so i know that goes that goes against uh, the Typical uh, breaker bread uh, acronym of drafting since we've got three removal options here. So, so we ended up taking the Dervish.
0: <laughs> yes. So pack one, pick four. Uh, cards in contention. Uh, there's the in fire, there's still a lot of good fire cards here. There is a Horde Duelist, the 2 2 charge, there's the Oni Patrol, and a Daring Maneuver. In Shadow, there is a Stone Scar Outfitter. The your other units have plus one, shift four. And in uh, Justice to go along with the retribution we didn't take, there's a Svieta's <laughs> Faithful, though one one with warp and onslaught plus two plus two. And so for me, I'm leaning towards Horde Duelist or Daring Maneuver here. And I would take the Daring Maneuver, especially because we were disciplined last turn and picked the Sensari Dervish. But there are also not a ton of 2-drops, though Fire does have a lot of early drops, so that might not be as important.
1: Yeah, Fire's not
0: hurting for decent ones as much,
1: at least in the Dark Frontier packs. I don't know. Hey, you take the Horde Duelist and all of your units have charge. I don't know. Maybe this is another one of those to just take the unit over the spell type of deals. Yeah.
0: So since, you're this is leading me to believe you're way down on daring maneuver.
1: Yeah, I've I've definitely changed my stance overall just mainly because of my troubles finding good units <laughs> in some of my decks. Okay. I'd say is the
0: biggest thing. Alright. So yeah, we'll take the Horde Duelist.
1: Yeah, let's take the two drop.
0: Pack one pick five. This is like an this is a embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Cards in Tension, there's a Stone Scar Insignia, there's a Rally Sergeant, there's a Char, and a Daring Maneuver. Um, there's not a lot of good Shadow units, there's only the Gorgon Cutthroat. Um, and then Justice, there's an Auric Lookout and a Roosting Warhawk. Yeah, I think Justice has kind of
1: looked a little open here. Yeah. It's also one of the deeper colors, I think, but in general it looks like Ricano might be... Your open lane for this mm. Ricano and Scones surprisingly Stone Scar. So <laughs> it arguably two of my favorite decks. I'd say, yeah. If I had to choose to, to potentially draft, I think you just stay on color here because just taking a char and just staying focused on fire. Okay, so emissary. you don't
0: take the insignia
1: because we're not sure yet, or yeah, I'd say we're still not super super solidly sold on it. Okay. And yeah, I I mean the insignias are good, but in a two color deck, it's not gonna kill you to not have fixing.
0: Though so it would help splash this eviscerate. That's
1: true. But I think for an aggressive deck, clearing a blocker out of the way with char or and or finishing off a bigger blocker with char and an attacker or something is very valuable.
0: I'm very surprised then how well you've gotten on daring maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you got to sometimes admit
1: that you're wrong. You can't just like blindly keep. No, I guess work.
0: I guess. Well, I think I'm just so surprised because I'm not. I, I I would have like three daring maneuvers or something right now. Yeah, <laughs> I I just have found
1: that there's so many combat tricks in all of the colors, just about that uh-huh. it's it's highly replaceable. I'm finding my problems more frequently are playing units on curve. Yeah. And that's how a lot of my games are going. And I've, I've lost plenty of games to just opponents curving perfectly.
0: Pack it's one nice. pick six. There's uh, three primal cards. There's a patience and time. Uh, fire has guns blazing and granite coin. And there's also coastal curator in justice. And so I think uh, this is an obvious coin.
1: Yeah, coin is amazing. This is a really good
0: pickup for us. Yep. So and, that, uh, that
1: card. We have so many great onslaught triggering, yeah. charging units, and everything.
0: And uh, the one point of interest is uh, guns blazing is one of the few commons that we have yet to <laughs> yet to make a winning deck list. So, so on to pack two. Uh, Wait, just, yeah, uh, real we just real rounded to... out that last pack with yeah. some
1: decent shadow cards but bandits flail and we got a couple granite
0: coins and an angry prophet so stone scar is looking really nice pack two, pick one uh the rare that we open is infernal titan which is the six stone scar stone scar six six life steal deal two damage to each of your other units there's an oni cave diver which is the two fire two two plus two while you have a relic Ultimate pay to to scout and a pummel in shadow, there's a scavenging vulture and a scheme, and then in justice, there is a throne warden and a tinker's apprentice and a downfall and a mithril mace. Uh, what do you think here?
1: Um, Well, first, we gotta assess like how our second faction option is looking because right now, eviscerate angry prophet. Ward Lurker, which is technically just a six or a seven drop, um, kind of too big if we're going aggressive. Yeah. And then a Bandit's Flail in Shadow. So really, still just the Eviscerate jumps out at you as a reason to be Stone Scar. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I how how do you are you is this one of those moments where you just take this <laughs> Infernal ty- Titan Tyrant on color rare? I don't. It it looks. Like, potentially, like it nice. kills
0: all our units,
1: <laughs> like it <he> kills everything. <laughs> Except for the summon, deal deck. two damage to each of your other units. Hey, at least it's lifesteal, so you gain all of that damage. Yeah, um, yeah, I R- don't know. Throne Warden is a pretty premier five drop big Aegis, but but I, I don't know if you would be willing to take a Throne Warden here and totally forge a different path, or do you got two fire? Low to the ground cards in Oni Cave Diver and Pummel, so I'd, either of those are pretty good here. Cave Diver is like a two-two with a better upside than like Herbalist. You know, <laughs> it's like it got the ability to scout and hits a little harder if you have you have a va- Bandit's Flail to go with his plus two attack ability. I don't know, maybe maybe the two drop is the safest pick here. Depends on how how. Uh, fancy you
0: want to get yeah well so what would you decide <laughs> The a 6-6
1: life steal for six even if it does kill a couple of your piddly guys that's a pretty great stat line
0: i really wish we had taken that insignia then
1: <sighs> though though if we end up solidly just in stone scar that's Just getting double fire, double shadow isn't... It's it's quite likely we're okay with that by the time we hit 6 power. All right. Um, But also a 6 drop. I don't know if that's where you want to be at the moment. So this this might be like just take the 2 drop and keep it low to the ground. Use those granite coins and stuff. Because granite coin is really good if you have um, lots of 2 drops in general. Because you're able to play a 2 drop attack granite coin plus another 2 drop in a lot of situations. It's really really solid, almost slightly more powerful than just playing a 3 drop in some scenarios. If the granite coin is is good enough, which it has a lot of targets. There's a lot of things that die to ping the effects.
0: Yeah, yeah. and then I, this is always a question is is it worth taking the infernal type, you know, just wasting a single pick on a, on a spec pick? On just this big lifesteal 6-6? Six six. Yeah. And then if we don't play it, all we lost was uh, 2 2 for 2.
1: There're going to be games where obviously pulling from the top of your deck, you're going to want an infernal titan more than a cave diver. <laughs> but I don't I don't know if that's necessarily the proper way to think about it. Okay, so take the cave diver.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Let's let's, let's keep it let's keep it uh, low to the ground.
0: All right, pack two, pick two uh, cards. Attention! There's a are, there's a rare still, and that's Champion of Order, the five Huru 2 that doubles and copies itself. Um, for fire cards, there's a Pit Fighter and a Blink Wolf Shadow. There is an uh, Abduct, a Seed of Vengeance, and a Scheme, and then Injustice. There's the Spire Spell Sword and a Downfall. So I think we just take the Blink Wolf here, right?
1: Uh, uh, abduct is one of those cards that always, you can imagine some amazing scenarios where it just blows your opponent out, but sometimes you they've already played their stuff before <laughs> you even <laughs> to get to Abduct it. And, and you know, uh, we're, we've are we already prioritized two drops, so I, I think Blink Wolf is pick here, which is unfortunate. I was hoping to get something better than Blink Wolf.
0: Uh, pack 2, pick 3, cards in contention. There's a Stone Powder Heretic, which is the 5-fire-2-4 that doubles its attack when he attacks. There's another Blink Wolf. In Shadow, there's just a Curator Spear. And in Justice, there's a v- Valkyrie Militant and a Bright Mace Paladin. And then there's a couple good time cards, too, and a Learned Herbalist and a Avarax Familiar. I'm wondering if we take the Bright Mace Paladin here.
1: Yeah, this is this is kind of a good, an interesting decision point for us because we only have the three playable shadow cards. We're losing out on, curator spear spear is solid and could be the potential pick here, but bright mace paladin is definitely just the best card. And I it, would th- yeah, I would it, take the blink that's, wolf that's before choice. I took the
0: curator spear. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I like curator spear in an aggressive deck too. It's not bad. It hits... well, it pumps up your cave diver for, for one attack. Um, but we could... we know that Justice was relatively open in our pack one. So it's potentially open coming up in the next two packs here. So we get the Valkyrie militant and the Paladin kind of showing that Justice might be open. There's three uncommons still here, so only the rare and how many com- and how many commons have been taken so just one okay so i yeah it's hard to say whether or not it's actually open or not we don't have any insane combos to go with the stone powder heretic yet yeah so that's not looking quite
0: as good i'm going to leave this one to you though this is yeah i mean the question is do we just keep playing it safe and just take the blink wo- wolf and wait to make the decision i think yeah, this might be a good moment to take a little risk
1: and okay. pick, pick a better card, just in case. Because right. I, I don't think Blink Wolf is something we're going to be losing sleep over later. Well, that ended up, I think, actually being a good decision taking the Paladin. Because in this pack, we've really got Valkyrie Militant and Soaring Guard are the only uh, two good cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, in any color. Um, Cersei's Meddling is, is funny that I think that that card is... Actually, low key, kind of necessary in some of the slow primal decks, which sucks to say, but because it's normally not very good. But it's still removal. We we definitely, I think, want to just take one of these two flyers. Good arguments for either of them, actually, because one the t- two the two drop one two flying summon gain two armor soaring guard, uh, helps you activate more onslaught triggers slightly earlier valkyrie militant is the two two for four that when you play a weapon you gain two armor we have the bandits flail but we're definitely not playing three factions i would say highly unlikely like in other formats i would have been super stoked about the soaring guard just because i would have lots of weapons and stuff but i don't have quite as many to equip to them what what were you leaning when you saw these cards here
0: I guess I guess soaring guard. It's closer to on rate than the Valkyrie militant, where yeah. Valkyrie militant just feels like always feels a little underwhelming. Like I'd rather have a flickerling. Yeah, I think its ability of gaining extra
1: armor is kind of better in this format right now with how many common relic weapons are running around too. Yeah, that it's it's really not it's not bad. It's kind of relevant. But right. I think we're losing the angry prophet if we're pivoting into justice. So we need to fill out our two drops a little more potentially. So yeah, though like we still
0: have it. three of them. You never know. Maybe we'll never see another <laughs> two drop. That would be tragic. All right. So we'll take the soaring guard here. This is a uh, pack to pick five cards of contention in shadow. There's a lock horns in justice. There's a grit in fire. There's dust blind and overheat primal we have an advanced scout and ice bow if we want to go into a fourth faction but there's also a seek power i guess i would lean towards the seek power here you're not missing out on much by taking it no and, and, and even, even mean, in there's... an
1: aggressive deck seek powers can be useful smoothing out your draw
0: and there's a lot of good double influence justice cards too so
1: yeah the, and, and there's not many better feelings than start opening up your game with a Seek Power.
0: Whew. Oh, there's a late coin. That's nice. And a late eviscerate. We could have had four eviscerates in this deck. <laughs> no respect for the blood nurse. Oh, third
1: flash <laughs> Okay. That deck looks pretty good.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: I guess that's our deck, right? <laughs> if you run Seek Power plus Lingering Influence... The thing is, that if you're, I think you want to cut one more card because that's that's just getting really greedy on the undepleted power stuff with your deck wanting to be... 16,
0: 17,
1: 18. No, I know, but you got five of that as depleted
0: with three coins and the seek yeah, power. But then, seek so shouldn't I just cut a lingering influence or a seek power then? Because do I really want to be running 19 power? Yeah, you could just cut the... Lingering influence, probably. Yeah. I just... I like the scout. Scout's so nice.
1: Or you could cut the seek power. I mean, you don't have, like, a lot of double... Yeah. Though, so oh, if like, we run I... the improvised rubbler, it's... Fire. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about the rubbler. If you want to run the rubbler, I would maybe cut another card for another power, though. But do we want ruby catalyst? Is that good enough?
0: Yeah. Well, why is our deck so bad? It's not bad. looks okay. Yeah, but, like, we have, like... We have to... Cut the ruby catalyst. <laughs> I'm gonna cut the improvised rubbler. Don't we want to cut a flash grenade? Yeah, you could probably cut a flash grenade over the ruby catalyst. Five in exhaust exhaust
1: unit. So for nine power total, you get a five four and three exhaust triggers. It just seems slow. I'd almost rather have a flash grenade than the, than the catalyst. I would just yeah, I would just cut the catalyst and run it with seventeen power. But
0: that's 19
1: power. Yeah, but... Didn't you hear bad? Five of it is depleted, though. Three coins and seek power and influence are both technically depleted. It's close, but that's what I would do.
0: Why is this deck so bad?
1: I think it's better than you think it is, but... It seemed like fire was wide open and then it just dried up completely. Yeah, I feel like maybe I should have been
0: Argentport. This definitely Shadow was open. All right, that's our show. Uh, once again, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Uh, thumbs up all of Barefoot Farmer's Reddit posts. And please send all 7 wind deck lists to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming.
3: Bye. All right.
1: Um, <laughs> Did men know you're screenshotting his games? He didn't. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ben. I didn't realize. I would never have agreed to this. <laughs> Patrick put me up to it. Uh, this week we got... Uh, 20... <laughs> Your understanding of the word flagship might be uh, a little off, I think.
0: <laughs> Sorry, continue. No, it's okay. I'll cut that out. It's not <laughs> uh,
2: Yeah, right.